Hey, I'm JR from the 18 Over Par with Mike and JR podcast, exploring the sights, stories, and sounds of golf on the prairies, where you'll find some of the most golf courses per capita of anywhere in the world, and beer. Lots of beer. 18 Over Par is proudly presented by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Pulling up to the clubhouse in a ride that looks half as good as your golf attire just isn't cutting it. It's time to improve your ride and your drive. You can purchase a new or used vehicle from Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park and the former Manitoba Amateur Champ will take you for a round at Breezy Bend. So now pulling up to the clubhouse won't be so damn embarrassing and neither will your golf game. You can book your test drive today at winnipegdodge.com. Just ask for Jamie Wilkie. You can also check him out on episode two of the 18 Over Par podcast. He'll certainly be happy to see you. You can also find them on social media, so make sure you improve your ride and your drive, and the only place to do that, the new Winnipeg Dodge. They're different. You can check them out, winnipegdodge.com. It's the 18 Over Par Podcast with Mike and JR. You suck, you duckass. Welcome to 18 Over Par with Mike and JR, proudly driven by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. I'm JR, he's Mike. And today, we're joined by Winnipeg Sports Talk's Andrew Hustler-Patterson. He golfs, he bets, he talks, he talks about golf, he talks about hockey, and he likes beer. You can catch him on Winnipeg Sports Talk on YouTube or wherever you podcast. Super stoked to bring in Andrew Hustler-Patterson to 18 over par. And as always, a big shout out to Jamie Wilkie and the fine folks at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. Wilkes, he is a former Manitoba amateur champ. So uh, he'll go out there and beat the shit out of you on the golf course and he'll sell you a vehicle. Uh, and you may also find uh, Hustler on the greens at the Breezy Bend as well. That's also where Wilkie haunts every now and then. You can find him usually playing Thursdays or Sundays out on the course. And another huge shout out to the Nick and Nikki group of DQs. Uh, it's been said that Hustler loves to pound a custom 8-inch DQ cake before every round of golf that he plays. And uh, we just want to say a big thank you to them. You can check them out at DQ Manitoba on Instagram. All right. Well, uh, the legend precedes you, I guess you could say. But uh, let's get into a little bit of golf first and specifically your golf. How did you get into the game of golf? You know what, guys? I was, uh, first of all, thanks for having me. Great to be on. Been a long time coming. I love it and uh, great to join you. Um, Mm -hmm. You know what? I was not a golfer as a kid. Uh, I don't know. I didn't have the patience for it. Um, it's one of those things where I kind of didn't mind going out a little bit, but I wasn't good. I wasn't, I don't know. I, I, I it was one of those things where I just wasn't, it was frustrating and I like hanging out with my buddies, but I kind of found that there was other ways to, to do that. But once I got into my twenties, really sort of started doing it. We were playing at uh, the old Southwood couple of my friends, mm. I don't know, there was like a, a, a price for under 30 and we had the group, you know, there's a few restrictions, but we'd go after, uh, after work and really got into it then. And then of course plan. I mean, that's the one thing about Manitoba, um, you know, the, the summers aren't that long, but there's a ton of golf courses. So you can always pretty much find somewhere to play. I really got into it through there. And then 
you know, over the last probably 10 years, um, you know, she get older. It's just one of those great events to, to go out all my buddies that are married and stuff. It's the one good excuse. They can actually get away for five or six hours and maybe push it a little longer. So it's yeah. really good. And obviously loving the time yeah. we've spent over at breezy bend over the last few years. So, um, yeah. um, you know, I, I do get around in the province too. I mean, I always try to, you know, now that, before I did gigs around Canada all day long weekend, a country fest. Uh, and I, you know, I go to Victoria beach. So I play grand pines a lot, mm-hmm. get out to granite Hills, love that spot. I've been to Falcon before, but you know, started hitting well, clear lakes. Amazing. Um, did Oak Island a couple times. I'd never even heard of that. Somebody brought me there. And I mean, I was just blown away at that golf course. So, um, you know, it's great. It's just, I mean, it's one of those things where I'm not particularly good. That's why I love <laughs> the fact that this was the 18 over par podcast. <laughs> If I can get under 18 over par, I feel like I have broken par, if you know what I'm saying. Absolutely. So needless to say, the nickname Hustler wasn't about your golf game. (laughs) <laughs> far from it. In fact, to be perfectly honest, that nickname comes from, geez, this would have been in junior high. I had a friend of mine that um, his parents would take off to the lake and he was a, a good athlete and would sometimes have things on the weekend. So it was right at the time where they'd sort of leave him to his own devices for the weekend. And we could get over to his place and have a few beers. And I'd literally have two beers. We'd be playing pool and I would turn into an absolute scratch machine. And (laughs) he jokingly called me hustler just because of how bad I was at pool after a few of that. And, (laughs) And then I started using it as a radio handle on a call in show back we had a shops t-shirt that would have, I think it was power 97 on at the time. And they would have this question. I would literally go out of the class and use the payphone and call in and all, everyone would be listening inside it. And they'd be like a hustler. That's, that's him. So, um, once I got to Kelvin, there was a time that, you know, like 90% of the school knew me as hustler, 10% probably knew my real name. And then that was just sort of a high school thing. But then I moved into university. I moved into a house with a bunch of guys. And this is before everybody had cell phones. And I literally lived with another guy named Andrew Patterson, one T in Patterson. We used to play hockey against each other. This is no joke. He was number 18 for Riverview. I was number 18 for River Heights. It was bizarre. And then he ended up being my brother's defense partner for the Winnipeg Blues. So I've been getting mixed up with this dude my entire life. So when we were living in the same house, it was like, all right, a couple of guys knew me as hustler. So you're hustler. And he came a month after me, he became junior and that, uh, and that's it. And at that point wow. it was on. And, you know, when Gary Lawless and I originally started the show, we mm-hmm. just, I mean, we called it the Saturday sports page and we were doing it. And then when we moved to OB Vic Grant, who gave us a really good break to kind of get us on a bigger station. And, um, he said, no, no, we're, we're changing the name of the show. It's called hustler and lawless. And, uh, well, we lived heavily ever after, but, uh, yeah, I can I carry that nickname around. Sometimes you'll meet someone and say, Hey, this is hustler. They're like, oh, like the porno mag? And I'm like, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, you know, so it can be awkward, but I tell you what, I'm not complaining. Nobody forgets it. So uh, I, I roll with it. Oh, no, no kidding. So true. Uh, yeah. And we won't get into any of the, uh, the porno references here. We'll uh, carry on. Um, but I guess we can go with what you have in the big stick in the bag. What are you playing for sticks right now? 
Uh, you know what? Well, I mean, part of it is, is that I am, I've been playing, I've got a tailor-made, um, driver. I've got a, I think I've got, I could probably, I'm probably ready for some new irons to be honest when I actually get back, uh, back playing regularly. Uh, but I think I've got Nike, I've got a, a set of Nike irons, wow. which I don't even make anymore. Yeah. No, is that the Nike vapors? Didn't, wasn't that the popular one? <laughs> I think that could have very well been, I have a feeling they were on sale. I was able to pick up a bunch of things. I'm like, well, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm reasonable enough to know that I probably don't need like forged pro irons, everything, because I'm pretty shitty. So uh, they've got me at the end of the day, the clubs that really matter are the wedges and the putter. That's mm-hmm. how you'll get to beat 18 over par. So um, no, I'm a granny golfer. I don't hit it far, but I'm pretty damn straight and you know, to be honest with you, it, it serves it well. It doesn't matter if you hit it 300 yards, if 50 of them are into the bush. That's right. Well, I was uh, I was scouring the Golf Canada app, looking up every name, Hustler, Andrew Patterson, and uh, I couldn't find a handicap on there. Do you, do you have uh, an idea of what your handicap might be? I mean, I... <laughs> You know, I, I don't really, um, well, I mean, I can tell you that I'm probably, I, I would normally be in the low nineties. And if, I mean, if I break 90, I'm real happy. So around 18 over par, I mean, I know, I guess if you have big blow up holes, it kind of takes that number Mm -hmm. down. So it probably would be less than 18, but as I said, I mean, uh, full disclosure, anytime I break 90, it is a cause for celebration. And, um, but usually it's in the nineties, if it goes the other way and it's triple digits it's either a really hard course or uh we'll blame the beer cart girl we were over served yeah as long as you're <laughs> under 100 then you can you can at least celebrate yeah. i think i'm in that that same low 90s high 80s uh, uh however golf canada screwed me over and they got me pinned at a, a 16 so shout out to golf canada making me look better than i am <laughs> Appreciate hey, well, that. Yeah, it did help though. Uh, speaking of which, we uh, we were on hiatus for a little bit there. We did have the Hecla Champagne Championship. Played a few rounds uh, up in Hecla. I uh, got to see nice. Sandy. He uh, drank all our beer and all of our food on Monday night because he got his vaccine. But he couldn't come out and play with us. But he was happy to eat all our food and drink our drinks. Yeah. He um, left but, us the tab. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> did he ever? Um, what but, a great spot up there is, eh? Oh, Not yeah, enough people have been up there, and it's sort of in a weird spot. Like mm-hmm. there, you're never you're never just going through there. I mean, it is an actual destination. Mm-hmm. But funny enough, I actually in between jobs. I did. Uh, I was working for a framing company and I was doing like all the corporate sales for them kind of in between the hockey Canada gig I had for the world women's hockey championship and, you know, going over and doing some stuff for U of M sort of around the time where Gary and I started the show. So I'd be doing, you know, trying to get big deals where they'd use us. And, you know, and one of those ones was the redo of Hecla, which oh, was wow. awesome. It was the biggest deal we ever did. The issue was though, we were such a small company. We didn't have anyone to put the stuff stuff up. So I actually turned into, and I'm not the handiest guy. Any of my friends will be the first to tell you that learned how to, you know, measure, fix, you know, all this stuff. And I literally put the shit on the walls in every single room in the heckler. Now I know it maybe have wow. changed over the last, cause they did go, there's been, I guess a, a, an ownership change or yep. two over the past decade or so, mm-hmm. but I remember it well. And I can tell you as beautiful it is right now, 
when it's minus 32 in the middle of February and there's no one in the hotel, not quite as festive as probably you guys had when you were out there for your tourney. No. Yeah, it was uh, it was beautiful. Shout out to uh, Jean Vivi and Sarah for uh, serving us and occasionally over-serving us. Um, but mm. uh, Team Righty, we beat Team Lefty. We uh, It was two years, 99 holes of golf, and we won by one stroke. So we're happy to have done that. Even number of righties and lefties in the crew? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There, there was just uh, yeah. four of us. So we, we, we actually shut everyone out. There's, there's a big waiting <laughs> list for everyone wanting to get in, but, uh, yeah, we might have to keep, open the you door keep next it year. Even, even numbers. I still, you know, it is bizarre. I, I remember kind of when I was getting into golf, I was living in a house with three other guys. I was the only righty. Wow. And I, I, and I, that is just so weird. And I mean, I do get that, you know, maybe here in Canada, I have a theory and I'm not sure whether this can be proven at all. But I would bet that there's more lefty golfers in Canada than anywhere else because you have so many guys that play hockey and that shoot left. And now that lefty clubs, I think, are more available, if you're starting golf later on and you're lefty, I think I would imagine you would start that way. Mm -hmm. But for a long time, I mean, I'm sure you guys know a lot of players, especially older guys that shoot left, do all sorts of things left, and yet they golf right. Well, because the clubs they got were right. And that's how they started golfing. Yeah. It might not make sense. Yeah. But, uh, that's well, wild. It's come up on the pod before. And I think uh, it was about 30% of golfers in Canada are left-handed and uh, everywhere else in the world is about 10%. So yeah. And, and the, the article goes on to attribute that to hockey and, and even a little bit of baseball playing too. Oh, excellent. So my theory is built in some sort of fact. It's right, not just yeah. a harebrained take <laughs> right on. Yeah. No fake news here. That's uh, that's what we're all about. <laughs> You can check our research. Uh, nine times out of 10, we're wrong. But that one time, we'll plaster it everywhere. <laughs> the other nine times, blame it on the research department. Exactly. Mike. Wow. <laughs> he is the research I can department. only do so much here. But uh, I wanted to, you mentioned starting the getting into broadcasting. So how did you get into broadcasting and how did you get hooked up with uh, Lawless? Well, it, this is hilarious. I mean, I've been working in hockey for a long time. I mean, you know, just to back up a little bit. Um, I was lucky enough when I was in university, uh, and I was, you know, well, geez, I was, I was not even 18 or I maybe just turned 18. And I got a job with the jets selling tickets, um, in the summers and they'd never done that before, before the team left. And so I did that for a couple of years. I mean, I was such a hockey nerd. This was like a dream job. I was going to university just because I guess, <laughs> you know, you finish high school and that's what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Didn't really have many goals, uh, when it came to academic achievements, shall we say. <laughs> and I got in with this and that was sort of my goal. And they said, well, listen, we want you to, you know, finish your degree and, you know, hopefully there'll be something, you know, for you here. Well, as I was doing that, the team left. <clears throat> so a few key people from, um, from the jets stayed here and were started with the moose and they called me, Hey, you want to be on? So I was like the third employee of the moose in May of 96, getting in there and selling tickets and building that up and going through everything that we had with losing the team. So I did that. I always had sort of an interest in maybe getting onto the communication side of things. I thought it was cool, you know, dealing with the media and stuff, but I mean, I had no background. And at that time, the red river Creek program was really sort of in its infancy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I often think that if I was maybe four or five years younger, I probably never even go to U of M. I probably go to that program and maybe has a different thing, but it was always something I wanted to do. And unfortunately within the organization, um, a good 
pal Scott Brown had moved over from CTV and he had some of that experience and he was sort of the guy going forward. So, I mean, I realized there wasn't probably going to be that opportunity there. So I did some different things. Um, I ended up going to working for the Oilers. Uh, I came back and was director of marketing for the Moose. So I got some great experience. And my, my thought always was, hey, if you want to run a hockey team or want to be, you know, a high level executive, having great sales experience is something that will help you big time. But you also need to run another department. And so I did that for a while. And then I got this great opportunity to work for Hockey Canada and put on that World Women's Championships, which was like a term position. And it was a nice transition from working with the Moose and True North. All my buddies were still there. I still had an office in that building, but it was sort of at arm's length. My bosses were in Calgary and the event was amazing. I mean, honestly, still one of the things I'm most proud of that I've done with the way that went off and the work that went into it. Um, and, And through there, basically the last year with the moose Gary showed up from Thunder Bay and was, you know, writing for the free. And to be honest, I'd saw him a few times at the, at the rink and just, Hey, what's up. We didn't really know each other, but lo and behold, we found each other sitting beside each other at the wood at the red cactus on Corden. We both lived in the neighborhood. And so whatever, we had a bunch of beers and he came to me and said that, I, I was doing this Shaw um, Sunday ticket show. If you remember, it was an NFL football show. We basically made picks and was another guy that I used to work with at the Moose, Robert Zilek, who's kind of his idea it was. And it was just more for fun. I mean, they said, hey, you want to do this? I said, yeah, sure. And I was at the point where I was flexible enough that I could actually get away for the hour to do the recording of it. And um, a guy called me that I'd probably been hustling, trying to get him to buy moose tickets from me a couple of years ago and said, Hey, I really like that show. Would you ever be interested in doing some radio stuff? And I said, well, shit. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I just said, yes, uh, yeah, <laughs> let, tell me what to do and we'll see. I mean, as I said, it wasn't my job or anything, but it was a cool opportunity. So 06 Olympics, I would go into the Freak 107. I'd pop in for two minutes in the morning or I'd record a two minute thing just on what was happening at the Olympics and they'd play it throughout the day. They liked that. They said, hey, do you want to keep doing this in the morning? You can come in and hang out with the guys on the morning show before you go to work. Well, I said, yeah, that sounds good. So I'd go in and hang out, do kind of this eight o'clock segment finish that up and then go into work for nine. And at the time, the guy said, listen, we don't have a budget or anything like that. But if you want to do a sports show, uh, we could give you the airtime like on Saturday or something like that. And Gary, right around that time said, hey, if you ever do anything like that, let me know. I said, well, it's funny you say that because I kind of have the opportunity to do that. I have no idea what I'm doing, but like, (laughs) yeah, let's let let's do it. So the Saturday sports page started on Freak 107 in I want to say April of 07. And the real the reason I remember that is our first ever guest was Tim Campbell, who was at the freaking Masters. Wow! <laughs> so he joins us from Augusta on our first ever show, oh, and we always awesome. joke. We always joke about Freak One Hundred Seven because, like, it was a <laughs> you know a small like Christian rock yeah. station that was playing with their license, trying to become sort of a regular rock station. And again, whatever it was, somewhere for us to do it, we could let people know. And and working with Gary from the Free Press was great because they sort of supported this. We had some ads in, so people kind of found us, and the rest went from there. I mean, Vic Grant gave us an opportunity to do the Saturdays on CJOB, which was like going from the smallest station to the biggest station. And then in 2009, um, Vic said, you know, we want to get 
the primetime sports slot that essentially they shut down after the Jets left. And we want to get that going again. And we started five days a week in 2009 when the Moose were in the Calder Cup and um, and really never looked back. And then a couple of years, a couple of years later, after we were kind of more established as a daily show, our ratings were great. Um, we got an opportunity to come in and sort of be the, the, the first guys for a regular drive time show on uh, what would become TSN 1290. It was at the start, it was sports radio 1290. And you know, we went there knowing that they, we were literally starting from scratch again, but I mean, we had sort of developed a bit of a following and I knew, and I mean, this goes back to what I'm doing right now, to be honest, I always knew that the sports market in here was underserved. I knew that there was a demand for it. I knew there was tons. And to be honest, the group of people that watch that is a group that advertisers want to be a part of. And um, it, having the sales and sponsorship background was huge for me because I mean, we were able to sort of make it worth work for us. And we maintained that same deal even at OB. I mean, we weren't getting a check from them, but we were able to bring sponsors on and um, and it worked out amazing for us. And then, you know, the chance to go, Gary, by this time, it had a kid and had gotten married. I did a, a daughter, Lauren. I shouldn't just refer to it as a kid. Um, and, uh, um, and, you know, the whole thing, because we were on from six to eight. So when you have an infant or something, you know, getting home at 830 doesn't really, you know, it's not good for you. And trust me, the wife's not too happy about it as well. So, you know, the chance to do it at a time that made more sense from four to six worked. And, and I just really believed in the potential of sports radio here in Winnipeg. And, uh, you know, we rolled through it through 10 years and uh, obviously the station shut down and we started something new and now we're rolling now again. Yeah. And yeah. You, so in all that, you, you also mentioned true North uh, and having worked uh, with them. And so Mike and I both have uh, been with true North Mike, you're on the flight crew, correct? I was on the flight crew promotions team and throwing mm-hmm. t-shirts into the crowd. And uh, <laughs> nice. that, that was a great experience. Punched my ticket uh, to watch the games uh, while still minding to their uh, playing to the crowd, but still keeping my eye on the game. But yeah, that was great. <laughs> and I was in the game day production. So I was working uh, with Kyle Ball, Harry there. Um, balls. You, yes. Yeah. So, you oh my know, God, yeah. balls. Oh. Yeah, and See, I, balls and I, I mean, we started back in the pit, like back in the days, moose days, selling mm. tickets. Um, so many people from that group. I mean, if we go back and look at that sort of 96, 97, 98 time of, you know, young guys coming out of school, starting there balls is still there. I mean, he's been doing the game productions for, I, I think actually, I may be the last person in charge of game production before balls. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I hired Sarah Stasiak to do it. I was director of marketing, but I was doing both at the time. We sort of grew when he had opportunity to do. And then Kyle's been doing it ever since and doing a great job. He was just on with us this week, actually mm-hmm. talking about the Jets legends. So, um, yeah. you know, the, the, the company is so different than it was. And I mean, listen, I mean, at that time, it might be, I don't, it might've been 5% the size of the company is right now. I mean, it's pr- pretty amazing how it's grown over the years, but um, listen, uh, you know, getting opportunities, doing things like that, you sort of realize how things work. You realize you got to work hard. Sometimes the hours aren't really good, but you know, I think everyone sort of, it's a lot more fun than digging ditches at the end of the day, you know, and get paid a little bit. Like you said, Mike, being around the games, it's a, it's a fun way to earn, especially when you're younger in school, meet tons of people. It's a, a social thing too. So um, a great gateway for a lot of people to do a lot of other really cool things. Dorian Morphy, he joined, I think in the second half of year one, he's the, I think he's vice president of marketing now. So there's a number of people that kind of started in that era that, you know, continued to grow and uh, are doing pretty cool things both there and, uh, and in the city and other businesses. 
Yeah, I don't know if you if you remember. It was still when when Wheeler, Dave Wheeler, was doing the uh, in-game hosting, and I think every now and then when he couldn't make it, you would actually be end up being the host. And I remember there was one time I don't know if it was for Dufresne or Kernhill or whatever. See, advertising works. I can't remember what it was for, but it was a, a contest where you had to shoot a puck into a dryer. And I think there was a little kid there, and you were hosting, and you got the kid to go in the dryer. <laughs> and, and, every, and everyone, everyone in the booth is like, well, he's not going to be hosting ever again. <laughs> so I don't know if you remember that, but it was, it was stuck I, in know, my mind. That was the funny thing is that they listened. Like, I, I, you know, because I'd written the scripts and sold the stuff, they knew that I'd take care of things for the sponsors, but... Uh, but yes, without the worry of having to come in on Monday morning, so that I can have a little more fun as a fill-in. Let's just say that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was that. That was super. Uh, did you ever? Did you ever get to play, or did you ever get to play golf uh, with Brian Munns? Because we had him on the show episode eleven, and he's pretty good. Oh yeah, for sure. He's one of the great artists of the foot wedge in the entire sport. <laughs> the, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, no Munzee, uh, uh, no Munzee well. And uh, yeah, we've definitely played together. He um, been out at Southwood, I think before, mm-hmm. obviously he'll come out to breezy every mm-hmm. now and then. And uh, well, he's busy now with the, yeah. uh, with the, with, you know, working on the golf side of things. And it's cool. I mean, you know, everyone, you know, when something like what happened, when you shut down a station, there's a lot of talented people, um, you know, the supply was high and the demand was low as long as there wasn't a station here. So, I mean, different guys have sort of pivoted and been doing different things. And, and Munzee's still, I mean, very talented broadcaster, you know, he still does, you know, bro, you know, play by play and whatnot, and, you know, still looking for that opportunity. But in the meantime, moving on to the other side of things and uh, kind of being involved in communications with the sport he loves is, uh, is, uh, I mean, a great opportunity for him. And I think a great get for a Jared and the folks over at golf Manitoba. Yeah, super. And we always get uh, his notices. I still haven't unsubscribed to his emails, but yeah, they're definitely doing a, a great job there now. And they're all over social and you get all the highlights just, uh, well, when this, when the show goes out, the mid-am will have uh, wrapped up and they're just getting uh, ready to go for the, the men's amateur, which will be, you know, awesome. Awesome to see, yeah. especially now since golf has seemed to kind of just gone like shot up to the stratosphere and participation, having a qualifier for one of the first times in geez, ages, for the mid-am anyways, um, which is which is pretty impressive. So, yeah, Brian's got his handful. Uh, the people at Gulf Manitoba got their hands full, but uh, they've been doing a great job so far. Well, that's a good thing. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, I remember when all this shit happened with, um, you know, with COVID starting and mm-hmm. being so uncertain, like, what, you know, look, what is next for everything? It was pretty clear quickly last summer that golf was going to be one of the unique areas of you know, just commerce that was going to get a big boost. Um, you know, like I didn't really see, I'm not really a homeowner or anything like that. I mean, I'm not a handy guy. So I I didn't (laughs) have a lot going for you is what you're trying to say. Yeah. I didn't see the, (laughs) I didn't see the, you know, the lineups at home Depot and everyone starting all these projects and what was happening in real estate. But I did see the fact that of all, like what we were going through, the one thing you can do is walk around, you know, with basically a few buddies spread out on a golf course. And, mm-hmm. you know, we talked to a number of people over the last couple of years, both from the industry as well as players, just as to what this has done for golf. And um, listen, I mean, I got a lot of friends in hospitality, I'm mm-hmm. in sports and entertainment, and those industries have been devastated. But, you know, considering where some of the courses were before at that point, um, you know, with the, the amount, the short season, how much competition there was um it's been that has been one of the few good things coming out of COVID as to what it's done for the golf industry
industry participation. And honestly, I think that, you know, 10 years, 15 years from now, we'll look back at this period of time as a really key point for golf going up another level. I mean, you know, there's a tiger bump. There's some things that you you don't really have control over. Um, but the amount of people that I think were introduced to the game that love the game that are now playing regularly because of COVID-19, I think is significant. And the benefits will be seen for decades to come. Yeah, that's what we're hoping for. And maybe even you've seen an uptick on the gambling side of things on the sports betting for golf as well. It seems like cool. whether it's DFS or whatever else, have you have you seen that? Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, I've been involved in sports betting for a long time and golf's always been, to be honest, golf is what really, really hooked me. Um, you know, like I had... I had uh, seven bucks on Zach Johnson to win the British Open back in, what was it, 09? Or I can't even remember what year he won. He ended up winning in a three-way playoff. And geez, I think the number was like 150 to one or something like that. And wow. I, the fact that you could lay a $7 bet down and pull out eight or 900 bucks to me was the greatest thing ever. And, you know, I made some really good friends from guys that are really good at that. Jeff Feinberg, who's been a regular on my show, is awesome. Awesome. And Pat Mayo, and those guys have done such a great job at sort of building their brand. And, and Mayo is key because, you know, they were working at the Fantasy Sports Network. And of course, it's all about football and it's all about the NFL. And you saw some of the other sports growing. But golf in particular was this niche that, you know, once people got in, they really liked it and they continued to do it. And I'll say that as well. I mean, I got into DFS through NFL, of course. Golf is by far my favorite DFS sport to play. I mean, you know, you get your lineups in the start of the year. You've got a few days to figure out who you want. You know, it starts on Thursday. Hopefully your guys make the cut and then you can have some real fun on the weekend if you're sticking around. But um, yeah, I mean, man, with the single game wagering, there's a whole nother conversation. The growth for that side of the industry, the stratosphere, the content space, I think is only going to go up and guys like that, they've been doing it for a while. Well, I mean, shit, Mayo, you'll see Mayo on PGA tour events right now and featured on their website and things. And, you know, it was just a matter of getting in first and doing it very well, developing an audience. Um, but I think that that's an area of, of the space, particularly when it comes to sports betting, I wouldn't be surprised if we see continued growth, especially in golf compared to other sports over the course of the next 10 years, because once you get doing it it really is one of the most fun sports to bet and again for casual people you know there's some guys that are grinding out putting hundreds of dollars on different games all week but there's another thing to be said you know picking a couple guys throw 10 bucks on each guy and you know you might be pulling out two or three or four hundred bucks on sunday and it certainly makes the back nine a lot more fun if you got a sniff <laughs> it certainly does and you, and you mentioned zach johnson uh coming in at the, the British Open, winning there, now rebranded the Open Championship. However, I still like to call it the British Open. Mm. What year was that? Oh, I, I, I don't have... We could. I, I don't have it. Oh, here. Uh, I'll figure it here. But uh, <laughs> but we do have the uh, the Open Championship coming at, uh, up at uh, Royal St George in uh, Sandwich, England, which would be be great to be from a town called Sandwich. I thought. But do you have any uh, 
Do you have any locks coming up for the the Open Championship, Huss? Uh, you know, okay. Well, that was 2015. It feels like it was about 10 years ago. But um, oh. there you go. Um, well, listen, I, I've you, got you should the do the research for our show because the other guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the I've got the odds up right now. I'll give a shout out to Cool Bet, who've been uh, uh, great. And to be honest, this is no joke. I mean, I've done done a lot of work with Cool Bet over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. The reason why I started betting with them in, initially is because I noticed that their golf odds were consistently better than the books I was normally playing. At. Oh, really? So then yeah. when I got contacted by the guy, I'm like, it's funny you say that because I mean, I was betting at, you know, Bulldog and some other places just generally, but I would always go back to cool bet for golf because I just found that they were more competitive and it's a big deal. I mean, if you're throwing 20 bucks on a, on a guy at 29 to one or 39 to one, I mean, if you win that, that's a significant, you know, if you're putting 50 bucks on a hockey game and it's minus 110 or minus 105, I mean, we're talking about a negligible amount unless you're spending massive amounts of money. Golf's a little different. So mm-hmm. the odds were great, but as far as this open goes, I listen, I'm a Brooks guy in the majors for the mm-hmm. most part. I was on him early he won me a lot of money. And once you have a guy that wins like that for you, it's very hard to get off of. And he is the ultimate big game hunter. And he's always there in the majors. I mean, to be honest, no matter what his situation is. I mean, we saw it recently. I mean, even if he doesn't win, he's usually in the mix. So it's interesting to see him and DJ at 16 to one Rory's obviously a sentimental favorite. Um, and I would, I'm a big Rory fan. I would love to see him win another major. Um, he's at 13 to one, but, but there's that the the big dog at the top, John Rahm on top of the world. I mean, coming off his win at the U.S. Open, pretty difficult to go against him. But I generally am not a guy that will bet the favorite. Um, you know, like to make it worthwhile on an eight to one bet to beat another 143 guys, you better be pretty damn sure. And you certainly have to make a much bigger bet. I normally will go into this mid range, you know, from about 22 to. 50 little sort of things or I mean for majors a lot of times you can get great value on a bigger player like I look at like Daniel Berger's 59 to 1 now, I don't know whether Daniel Berger is a prototypical guy for the British Open but I mean that's a guy that probably deserves to be in the you know with some other guys all-time favorite and I'm pretty much guilty and fellow members of team Tony out there know what I'm saying I can't quit Tony Fino I've been riding with him so long waiting for him to win yeah um, it's the FOMO like I I would <laughs> I would be so devastated if he finally did it and I wasn't on him that. So I will have a, I will have a sprinkle on Tony Finau no matter what I see. He's at 49 to one right now. Wow. But you know, a couple of the, you know, I, I do like, you know, when we talk about the open championship, um, there is something to be said for guys that have played those style of courses have grown up around it. I mean, mm-hmm. the Shane Lowry win honestly was one of my yeah. favorites in, in a yeah. long, long time. And, you know, Lowry, he's at 44. Tommy Fleetwood is probably a guy I'll look at. And Tommy, I, I I'm surprised that he hasn't broken through with that big victory already in, in one of these majors. Um, and it seems like it's a matter of time and a guy like Matt Fitzpatrick too, um, you know, I, I will be in on, but uh, when it comes, 
comes down to it, I'll have Tony. I will probably put Brooks on it. I will not take DeChambeau. And um, <laughs> and then from there, you know, maybe a guy like, uh, you know, Colin Morkow. Or how about Usti? There's a guy right. that deserves a win. How many second place finishes can one guy have yeah. in majors? You kind Absolutely. of feel bad. And man, I still can't believe the way it happened. I mean, he plays nails for 70 holes, literally has the tournament there for the taking, and then decides to hook one OB on seven and uh, 17. Um, I don't know. It's a weird so, game, man. Even the best in the world, when uh, you get down to crunch time, what happens between your ears is often the, uh, the biggest enemy and it mm-hmm. happens to even the best in the world. So I think we'll just put $5 on each one of those guys you mentioned. And, and I think <laughs> we should come out on top, yeah. but uh, today I was listening to the lock shop with, uh, which would be your other podcast with uh, Dustin Nielsen. You were talking uh, John Deere classic, which is happening right now. The episode will be uh, released and somebody would be the winners. Somehow Camilo <laughs> Villegas, uh, Villegas, how do we, Villegas. not a, not a broadcaster. He's a, he's in the lead. I didn't even know he was still, uh, still around, but you had, you had gotten into talking about the South Koreans, Sanjay M, Siwoo Kim, and they're skipping the open for an interesting, uh, little fact. And I was hoping you could share with JR and, and our listeners what's going on there. Yeah, so I love the Koreans. I'm a big fan of Sungjae and, and Siwoo too. Siwoo's had some epic wins at massive, massive numbers. I think he won the players as like a 250 to one underdog. Um, but I digress. Um, you know, part of the um, part of the deal with growing up and being South Korean is that you uh, you got to do two years uh, in the army uh, with a military service and. You know, these young men have sort of started these incredible careers. They're making big money on the PGA Tour. They're representing the country, but there are still rules. The only way you can get out of your military service is to essentially achieve what they determine as an extraordinary accomplishment for the country, um, which in this case is a medal in the Olympics. Uh Now, think about this for a minute. Like Sungjae, the guy doesn't, I mean, he lives in a hotel. He plays every Every single week. I mean, he's never, he never takes a week off. He's always out there. He's usually making the cut. He's usually cashing a check and, you know, sometimes he'll win or cash a real nice one. Think of the cost in the prime of his career to miss two years on the PGA tour. Oh yeah. It's huge. Like you talk, you, you talk about, I mean, so like, wow, they're going to miss the, the, the open championship. And I don't know what the check is for that. It's probably 2 million, $2.4 million or something like that. Like, geez, that's a big miss. Well, what's the cost on missing two years on tour when you play every week and are always cashing a check? I mean, it's way more than that. So I totally get it. I mean, these two guys need to, I mean, they're feeling the pressure to, frankly, avoid having to go to the army for two years and go off the tour. So, uh, you know, with the Olympics being in Japan, I think both of them realized that, you know, or they thought to themselves, they're going to play the John Deere. They're going to go over, do their quarantine early, and then be able to prepare, um, you know, in a way that probably a lot of the other, the rest of the field won't be able to do it. So listen, these guys basically need to get to the podium to avoid the mandatory military service. And uh, that will be as much as they would love to win the open championship. I have a feeling being on tour for the next couple of years and not missing the prime of their career would be a big part of it. So uh, I will be heavily rooting for uh, yeah. a Canadian to win the gold and definitely <laughs> Sungjae to get on the podium and uh, right. maybe even see Wu too. He's a, he's a baller. 
yeah. and maybe even sprinkle a little bit of money on the uh, Olympic golf because uh, I didn't even know you could bet on the Olympics, but uh, apparently that's a thing. Uh, it, it's a thing. You can bet on everything now. And with single game wagering coming in, there's absolutely no doubt about it. I'm just getting ready to handicap the first ever Olympic breakdancing competition. Not, not, not a lot of data out there on previous competitions. So no, something, uh, something else I learned while listening to Lock Shop there. Yeah, breakdancing coming in uh, 2024 Paris Olympics. I kind of wish I... I knew this because I feel like I had some moves back in the day. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the word on the street. Uh, Hammer was telling me. Uh, you can see it. Grab a piece of cardboard once you're done and see, uh, see if Mike still got it. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, this is the second Olympics for golf. And uh, representing Canada will be Connors and Hughes for the men and Brooke Henderson and Alina Sharp for the women. It's just a 17-hole individual uh 17 holes. Play. They're playing 17 holes this year. Mike? 17 holes. Yeah. <laughs> they 72. just took out one to start <laughs> yeah. on two or what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I was thinking why not make it a different format, you know, but, uh, it would have been nice to maybe do a three club challenge. You can only use uh, three clubs or <laughs> yes. something like that or, or play 17 holes. Yeah. Right. Or pound a beer after every three holes or something like that. Like, uh, the beer exactly. marathon, something like that. Exactly. It's so, cool. uh, there's people that I know there's people that weren't really too keen about golf getting into the Olympics. I mean, I think that's ridiculous. I mean, golf is one of the most played worldwide sports on the planet and uh, it should be there. And I, to be honest, the only thing that I, I wish is that more, of the top players in the world thought of the Olympics the way they do the open championship or the masters or whatnot. And, you know, there'll be some guys that won't be there for, for whatever reasons. And I realize this is a strange year with COVID and all that, but um, I tell you what, I'll be watching it. And uh, listen, Brooke Henderson, there, there is a woman that loves representing Canada, has done it so well, is our most accomplished golfer in the history of the country on either side of the uh, of the restroom, if you will. So um, I, I will definitely have a piece on Brooke going into the Olympics. And um, I'll tell you what, Corey Connors, Mac Hughes, I mean, for those guys being Canadians, I mean, listen, the goal is to win a major and to be a PGA Tour legend, but I got to think like a gold medal at the Olympics would be right up there and man sponsorship wise what that would mean for your career to be honest outside of maybe winning a green jacket i think the olympic gold frankly would be more to a guy like that than a pga win or a u.s open or something like that because it really is so big and there'll be way more people than just golf fans paying attention to this tournament in a few weeks in japan for sure, for sure. And you mentioned breakdancing coming in 2024, but it seemed like they had a few other events new this year. They got skateboarding, surfing, freestyle BMX, and uh, I saw three-on-three basketball. I don't know if that's new, but that that's pretty cool. Some street hoops. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm here for it all. I'll be watching it, and we'll, uh, we'll be seeing. I'm sure Cool Bet will have some odds on it, so we'll probably <laughs> sprinkle on yeah, something yeah. and somebody to cheer for at least. Exactly. Um, you know, it's going to be good. Like, th- like at, for from a sports fans perspective, I mean, just let's take it here to Winnipeg and most of the people who'd be listening will be here in the area. I mean, whatever the cup, it just ended. 
Bomber training camp starts on the weekend. Season's going to be gone on the 5th of August. Before then, we've got an NHL expansion draft. We've got the Open Championship coming up next week. Then you got the draft. Then you've got NHL free agency. We'll get into a couple weeks of CFL season. And next thing you know, training camps will be going. NFL will be starting. And uh, during all that period of time, we'll have two weeks of the Olympics. So we're, not going to be a lot of downtime for people that are loving sports or working in sports no, for the next little No, we're while. just happy that we got you in this little window of time when you're <laughs> not covering all these things but the the other event i wanted to touch on what i love is handball what a great sport that is to watch and to play i remember playing handball in uh in high school and middle school there but uh i wish i could uh if anyone knows where i can play some handball get at me (laughs) another sport hammer was great at yeah not quite in my wheelhouse i only remember pin handball from elementary school that was like i think that was maybe like a doctored invented game that one of our teachers did where there was a bowling pin and you had to knock it down. We sort of learned the basics of the game, but that's the extent of my knowledge or participation in the sport of handball. Maybe I need to sharpen up on that considering we're going into the, Yeah, well, I'm surprised and getting back to Winnipeg sports talk daily, the, the breadth of sports discussed on that program is immense. You know, you cover the, the mainstream stuff, the, the hockey, the football, the baseball, the disc golf, the, uh, <laughs> but, but you get into those fringe sports, the tennis and uh, the e-sports even. Uh, I had to look up what the Rocket League was the other day, which is like a, a video oh, game. Pick up that game. It's, it's honestly, <laughs> I mean, if you have a PlayStation or Xbox, I cannot recommend a game more than Rocket Rocket League. It is so much fun. It's essentially it's car soccer, um, but it's at the highest level. It is it is the perfect game for putting on streams, Twitch. I mean, best of five. It, it's really really fun. I, I will I will stump for Rocket League anytime. And yes, I'm not too proud to admit that when sports stopped and we started the pandemic and there was literally nothing going on, I started watching it and then found out you could bet on it as well. So there was some fun. There were some fun nights throwing a twenty on uh, Team RTX going against the Brawlers in uh, Rocket League and watching it on Twitch. I've learned a lot in the last eighteen months, guys. I bet. I bet. And uh, you know, we're we're often tuning in. I love the the live feed on YouTube. It you know so much interaction with the message board, and we like to. I like to crack jokes and, and, you know, and you guys engage the live uh, listeners and, and then, but you, then it's, you still upload it to uh, Spotify to listen after as well. Yeah. But, you know, I, I gotta say, I mean, like this all came together pretty quickly. I mean, you know, we uh, got blown out on, I think the 9th of February and we had our first show on the 8th of March. And in between then we figured out what the hell we were going to do then figured out how we were going to do it. Um, You know, got some people on board that were great supporters of us back at TSN um, that, you know, gave us a chance to see what we could do. But I was always thinking it was just going to be a podcast. Um, You know, listen, we're going to record something and you used to listen to us between three and six on the way home. So we'll record something before and have it in your feed right around three o'clock. And you can basically listen to the show in just a bit of a different format. But Remus, my partner said, listen, dude, and he's been doing a lot of stream like he is a Twitch guy. He plays NHL um, basically, I don't know, two or three times a week. And he's got his own little crew of um, fans that <laughs> pop into his chat and do it. But he said, listen, if we're going to do this, let's put it on YouTube. 
Um, and I'm like, well, okay, fine. I thought that we might have like 10 or 20 real keeners that would pop in just to see what we were doing. Like, I didn't really understand how powerful and how many people can find it and how you can grow using that medium. And Mm -hmm. I mean, immediately I realized that, well, wait a second, this is not just a small part of it. Um, and you know, we looked at the numbers through the first couple months as we were getting it going and, you know, it was basically about 50, 50. Um, and certainly in the, in the, in the internet space, um, learning more about the value of monetization of things like social media and different platforms. I mean, the YouTube sub is the most, uh, most valuable when it comes certainly to sponsors and whatnot. Cause the other great thing is like, we'll do a show, like we'll probably have right now more people consuming on podcast because maybe they aren't around their computer when we're actually doing it. But there's tons of people that if they're not, you know, in the car or out walking and you know, listening on their buds, we'll just throw it up on the computer and watch it again. And, and your point about the interactivity. Um, I mean, I was always a guy that loved the calls of sports radio and the terrible takes of listeners <laughs> and all those fun things that, that make it what it is. Um, we're able to get a lot of that right now through immediate feedback on what we're talking about. And the other fun thing is there's sort of start, it, it, we have started a bit of a community. Like I'll be doing a great interview on something I think is really important and I'll look to the chat and a bunch of people are talking about something completely else, often with Remus not paying attention either. So at least the podcast people are getting it, but it's, it's been amazing. I can't thank enough everyone and you guys for popping in and the people that have sort of gotten on and made it, you know, kind of a part of their routine. Um, mm-hmm. I, I knew that there was a place for this because as I said, I, the station was really well established. Our shows had, you know, a lot of real loyal, consistent listeners. And we heard loud and clear the void when, you know, the station got shut down, uh, that it was going to mean in people's lives. So, uh, we've tried to set things up. We're going to continue expanding it going into the fall, hopefully with another program or two, maybe not necessarily daily, but some other things to add into it, uh, both on YouTube and on podcast. And, um, at the end of the day, it's just been so great to see how the response has been because um, I had no doubt that, you know, people would still be getting their information somewhere. And listen, like I'm working on sports net 960 in Calgary as well. And when I do those shows, you know, I'm talking more flames or more broad stuff, but people in Winnipeg still want to talk about the jets and the bombers. And they want to hear about what's happening on the Manitoba golf scene. And they want to hear about, you know, Tyler Mislachuk going to, you know, the Olympics representing Canada, but he's also a Winnipeg guy. So there certainly is a spot for that. And, um, you know, we've been lucky that people have responded the way they have. And I'm really looking forward to kind of getting in with a bit of, uh, you know, a bit behind us, you know, you learn some hard lessons as I'm sure you guys did when you're starting a podcast or whatever, oh, yeah. you know, there's some screw ups <laughs> along the way. And, uh, but you know what, we've had a lot of fun with it. People have been there for it and, uh, uh can't wait to keep it going. Nice. Nice. And you got some merch available now. You got your shop open there. Our uh, 18 over par merch is delayed. It's still stuck in that Suez Canal issue there. But, yeah, uh, fucking Suez Canal. <laughs> but go to our listeners, go check out the uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk Shop and uh, get yourself some new gear because that stuff looks pretty sick. Yeah, no, we got to, I mean, right now we, we did do, um, like if you go to, if you go to Winnipeg sports there's a link there. And, um, you know, we work with the company that did like, we ordered this stuff first to make sure it was good. Like I didn't want, 
you know, like you can make things cheaper, but you know, with something like a hoodie or t-shirt, I mean, you know, especially if it's got your logo on it, I mean, it's a great little bit of marketing piece to get out. People aren't going to wear it if it sucks. So we, we made sure that it was good. We've got a zip up hoodie, uh, you know, a regular hoodie um, and, you know, some t-shirts and we do have some nice hats coming in. We did with new era, uh, which we did through our friends at Royal sports who have been with me held Royal Royal sponsored me on the NFL Sunday ticket show, just to give you an idea about how long we were working with those guys. I mean, they were the first people we've ever done. And I mean, I, that's my favorite store ever in the world. I still can't believe that it's in Winnipeg. I mean, it's like, it's gotta be the biggest sports store anywhere. Um, and they have it all there. So actually with the exception of golf, I mean, that really is the one thing that, uh, you know, but uh, anyways, so Royal's been great to us and, uh, we will continue, uh, we'll continue banging it out. And, um, when we get the hats, we'll probably do them through there, but we'll let everyone know on the, on the show and through our social channels. Absolutely. That's great. And I love the uh, bar scene behind you. Is that a, is that a stock photo or is that a lo- is that a local bar? Yeah, no, that is, I, I do have some stock photos that I'll probably start putting into. I mean, the biggest thing I would have done one at a BP or something like that, yeah. but everything was closed for a good portion of this. But, uh, my buddy, Dave Petro, uh, sent, uh, sent me, you know, a few photos over and I've been going through a different ones. Like if you go back to the first interview we did with Andrew Harris, we've got a background, a picture that I took after they won the great cup, you know, with all of the nice. confetti in the background. But right. for the most part, it's sort of, people are just used to me sitting in that bar and dude the <laughs> amount of people that i'll see when i'm out going what bar is that by the way that you're in and uh, like do they open early because it never seems to be much going on behind you and i'm like yeah they open early and they pause all the tvs too yeah 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 and they're always playing the same, yeah. same yeah, thing no on staff, the tv nothing just, yeah no i mean there's no one it's just it doesn't seem very happening oh, it's, it's, it's a picture guys <laughs> that's awesome Shut Shout out to that bar. You know who you are. (laughs) And uh, Mike, I know you wanted to get into competitive eating. Yes, I did. I did. Uh, Because uh, I know you were... You were, uh, you were putting some bets down on Nathan's hot dog eating contest and uh, you took the under on Joe and, and, and it's, uh, I've been wearing that one for a few days, guys. Yeah, he heard, um, he it, heard. Was, it, it was partially a value bet. And I will say this, we, I don't know, maybe it's because I always do a big thing on the Nathan's contest every year. And I did famously have Matt Stoney in 2015 when he beat Joey Chestnut at nine to one, one wow. of the great right there with the Zach Johnson yeah, yeah. British Open. Open bet two of the uh, and you know looking at the calendar those would have happened relatively close mm-hmm. together to be honest with you that was a real heater this summer of 2015 apparently but um but yes I, I mean i get a big kick out of it one of my sticks has been on the show i would always and i would drive gary crazy with this but i would <laughs> i would bring up competitive eating and specifically the hot dog contest and as best as i could with a straight face refer to everybody them as athletes and you know this is, this is honestly one of the biggest sporting events of the year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and when people would question me about it, I would just incredulously say, well, what are you talking about? Well, of course, <laughs> Joey Chestnut. And that's why, and Remus put this out, like on the event, when they show it, can say, you know, most championships of all time, Bill Russell, 11, Rafael Nadal, 13 <laughs> yeah. French opens, Joey Chestnut, 14 Nathan's hot dog eating contest. I mean, man, oh, the comedy great. just writes itself. And from that, and those hilarious times, we started the pierogi eating contest, which we did with mm-hmm. the spirit of Ukraine pavilion. And obviously Folkorama hasn't happened for the last couple of years. 
years. Right. But my God, I mean, some of the characters we had out for that, I mean, it's, it, it, it has been some of the most enjoyable and funny things I've ever been involved in. Um, but anyways, anytime there's the opportunity to sort of, you know, try to, with the straight face, speak to the incredible athletic prowess of the greats like Joey Cheston and Matt Stoney, most people get it and most people get a kick out of it, but it's even better when people don't and try to like challenge you on it. And you just sort of like, Oh, I I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm pretty sure this is on ESPN. ESPN's a sports station, right? Obviously it's a sport and this guy's going for history. So you can take your Tom Brady and your LeBron get in the back of the line because the goat is here and he's about to eat 76 hot dogs and buns. That's insane. Yeah. 76 meat tubes in 10 minutes. That's insane. Like I couldn't even imagine that. Was there a record for, uh, the pierogi eating contest? Uh, yeah, I believe 50, uh, 50 <laughs> was the number in, in 10 minutes. And, wow. uh, and I mean, dude, those are heavy. Oh, I mean, yeah. I bet like, yeah. it, it was, it's like a piece of bread. I, it was quite shocking being there. People always say, are you into that? I'm like, no, I I'm literally the slowest eater ever. <laughs> and it's somewhat hilarious, but, um, we had, there's a guy named Steph daddy jay who uh, who flew in from bc and um i, I would if you guys want to laugh look him up on instagram step step daddy jay he's a an individual it's hard to describe just how out there this dude is but um he showed up and there's a whole nother chapter of step daddy jay stories from him coming into coming into winnipeg he's uh he's got some alter egos he makes rap records he uh he wow. he, he does it all so um uh, no we uh, there have been some very good times as a result of uh screwing around with the competitive eating and we did have joey chestnut in studio when he came in to uh, do that event at the bomber game where he took on four bomber fans and four, um, four rider fans in I believe a Joey's fish taco eating contest. And of course he wiped the floor with everybody, but (laughs) uh, it was pretty interesting to pretty interesting to cross paths with the great Joey chestnut. That's great. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, uh, I know you went to, uh, I'm going to transition area. I know you were at the, the Valor FC game last night. Speaking of uh, the IG field there, were you, uh, how was it to be a spectator at a, a live sporting event? And were they, were they serving beers or, or hot dogs there? They, they were, it was, it was awesome. I, I just have to say, and I know last night was the final game of the cup. I watched the first two periods at Ziff's bar and then we went over, um, we were over at Nicolino's, which actually was great. I got there and, you know, they got a big dinner rush, the patio's busy, but that's always been the place where a lot of the Valor fans meet and they do their March to the game with the flag. So I kind of rolled up and there was a couple dozen people banging their drums and with the flags, And you just sort of got the feeling like we were back. And um, listen, it was a 9 PM game. Very. Wow. I mean, it, it just, because again, keep in mind, they, they've all the teams are playing there, right? right. So they're having multiple games a day. So it just so happened this was Valor's game and they weren't going to change the schedule. So it was a little late, uh, I think, for a lot of people. And I think a lot of people, especially younger fans, don't yet have their two uh, two shots. So, I mean, the crowd, I mean, it would have been 500 people or something like that there, but it was an absolutely glorious night. And, um, and I'll tell you what, the team lost, got absolutely jobbed. The, listen, the CPL is a certain level. I mean, we're watching these Euros and how incredible mm-hmm. the Messies are. I mean, you don't see a lot of that at this level, but I got to say, free kick for Valor down 2-1 late in the second half, an absolutely brilliant shot, brought everyone out of their feet, and then this ref, who I don't know what was going he disallowed it for some 
for some reason, I talked to a couple of the Valor people. They are still outraged at it. But um, honestly, the score was secondary. Being back in that beautiful stadium. And yes, they did have hot dogs, which were only three bucks, by the way. I was quite impressed with that. Um, Beer's a little bit more. And right now with the rules, because you have to have food with beers, if Mm -hmm. you don't get anything, they just give you a bag of chips. That's essentially essentially part of it. Um, So yeah, there's a little, there's a little hint, you know, if you're going to get a hot dog, maybe go twice to the thing and they'll they'll give you chips with or or just eat 50 hot dogs yeah that's that too uh but anyways it was awesome um the squad looks good i mean they won their first three games and of course they had never won two games in a row coming into this Mm -hmm. season so i'm excited i'd love to see that grow i mean i've never been a big soccer fan but i really love the atmosphere the fans like the valor army they really make it i mean they're banging the drums and singing all along i mean it does have a soccer feel something that most canadian fans are at least i had never really been a part of so it was a lot of fun uh, love to see the direction that the team is going. And honestly, walking out with Ziff, we're walking back to Nicolino's afterwards. I'm just saying like, dude, how good is August 5th going to be when the Bombers and Ticats get yeah. back at it? And, and honestly, I think that the CFL is going to be a big beneficiary of this, or at least in this market. We'll see what happens in places like Toronto and Montreal. But the time that we've had away from it, I think even people that maybe didn't go before, Bombers won the Grey Cup, and then, you know, whatever, it didn't happen. I think there'll be some people that just because they're double vaxxed and they can go, will maybe go take it in and hopefully turn in some new fans. But I have a feeling the atmosphere of the people that are going to be there is going to be real fun this year when we can finally get back at it absolutely and there was some good cfl talk on uh today's episode so go check out uh jeff hamilton the hammer on uh on winnipeg sports talk because he he went off and and that was great to hear he's so good he's so good i could talk to hammer every day to be honest with you and he's been doing a great job getting ready for the season with all those um previews of all the teams in the league and yeah the bombers get going on saturday and now uh, we'll have uh i mean next week will be fine it'll be first week of uh of the uh bomber training camp season, but uh, also uh, the open championship final major of the year. So we'll be able to spend a lot of time on that and uh, we won't be hijacked by uh, hockey in July anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be a, that'll be a, a nice change, I guess uh, as good as it is to have hockey when you can go sit outside on a patio and have a beer. Um, yeah. It's good to go, it's good to move into golf and to football and to and other things uh, during the summer months. Yeah, believe me, the Jets and hockey are going to be back before we know it, yeah. considering how late this season went. So uh, no complaints. I'm just happy to have it back and looking forward to get back in the seats for all the teams we have here in the city. Mike, did you uh, have anything else? I got about I know, 20 yeah. more things here, but I know we're a little <laughs> pressed for time. JR has a Zumba class that he's, uh, he has to I instruct. Do. So yeah. <laughs> just kidding. But uh, I think it's, it's that time of the episode, JR. Yeah. It's the back nine lightning round is driven by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park, where you can improve your ride and your drive. Just go see Wilkie, purchase a new or used vehicle from the former Manitoba amateur champ and not only have better wheels, we'll even take you for a round at Breezy Bend. Check them out. They're different. They're awesome. Check them out. Wilkie's, Check them out. He said he, he drove to Kenora to sell a vehicle. That's the kind oh, wow. of service you get with Wilkes. Grinder. Check, yeah. Check them out. WinnipegDodge.com. That's dedication. Mm-hmm. And, and- Check out the new 2021 uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee L. It's their new new style, of, like yeah. fifth generation, seven so those, seater. Yeah, an absolute uh, Canyon Arrow luxury uh, <laughs> wagon. But uh, might have to do like zero percent financing for 20 years on that one. But uh, we can split it, Mike. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. So Haas, we'll uh, we'll kick this off just a 
collection of questions here. Uh, sometimes it goes quick like light, lightning or sometimes it doesn't go that quick. But uh, so the first one here, have you ever got a hole in one? No. And it is a, I I've said, there's two things I want in life. And if, if I get those, I'll be happy jets to win the cup mm -hmm. and a hole in one. I'm over <laughs> two right now. But uh, as I said, getting closer by the year, it seems uh, yeah. maybe for the hockey team more than for my holes in one. <laughs> and it seems like every, well, not every other one, but there's lots of Winnipeg sports broadcasters that are uh, getting the hole in ones. Uh, Bayak had one last week, uh, Ken Weeb there. He had two in yeah. one round. Uh, we the craziest to, thing uh, I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, we were on yeah. the air. He texted me after he aced, I think it was three at Glendale, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And this is unbelievable. Oh my God. So of course we're talking about on the air because he was golfing with Kevin O Toth and Leah Hextall at the time. And uh, so we're kind of, you know, giving him some props and whatnot. And then when I got, we were still on the air when the second one went in on 16 oh, wow. and I, I still, to this day, it is the greatest athletic achievement of anyone. Not that I know period, like two holes in one in a round, get the hell out of here. It's uh, that's one thing I'll give. Weeb a lot of brain damage for a lot of things, but that is the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. That's awesome. And we did talk to uh, Brian Munns not that long ago, and I, I, I'm pretty sure he didn't have one. So yeah, he didn't. I'm going to put, I'm going to put my money on you, Huss, uh, to get one before Munzee, and we'll see what cool bets odds are on that. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a big number, guys. It's a big number. <laughs> so next one, in the situation that you do get a hole-in-one, uh, do, you, do you have a preferred golf ball brand or model that you use or just reaching into that bag and grabbing whatever? Um, you know what? I mean, I, because I am like, I don't hit very far, but I'm usually pretty straight. I do like to use a half decent ball. So I've always, I mean, listen, I'll, I, I love the pro V's if, uh, if I have them, um, the other ones I did like that. Now this is probably a couple of years ago, but whatever the, the kind of the competitor, the tailor-made ball. Oh yeah. Um, like the TP5 maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And I did like those, but I mean, I've tried a bunch of them. Um, I, I liked all of them except the Volvic and oh, yeah. uh, the and and I don't mind the colored ball like I'll, I'll be that guy that'll play a yellow mm -hmm. ball or whatever amongst my group. However, the the um, the lacquer red Volvic that Bubba was playing a few oh, years yeah. ago, I uh, that just did not cut it even for a crappy golfer. So I still can't believe he went through that charade yeah. for four or five months on the tour before saying, "Guys, this just ain't yeah. working." Yeah, that's good. Money no talks, Volvics. my friend. Money talks. <laughs> so uh we we know that breezy is your home track but uh which course would be your favorite in manitoba and you can give us a few notable mentions if you'd like well outside of the city i mean obviously i do tons of golfing at breezy and that's certainly my spot in the city outside i think i mentioned a couple of these that oak lake yeah. uh, or oak island yeah is one I had never even heard of it. And my pal, Jeff Paulson took me out there and uh, I've tried to get back there a couple times. We usually, if we're ever doing the bomber uh, rider game in labor day, we'll make a point of leaving early, getting a tea time around nine in the morning, doing that and then rolling in. So I definitely love that course. Clear Lake's great, but the uh, Granite Hills to me is, is awesome. But I have, you know, through these conversations, I've done them on the show before there. I have a list of a couple that I want to play. Shy 
Silo where the juniors was just yeah. at, I've heard yeah. is a really neat course. Um, Gilbert Plains is another well, one up in Westman that I've heard is phenomenal that I haven't played yet. Um, but I would say that granite grand pines is sort of a home course out by the, uh, out by the cottage. So I do get out there a lot in the summer. Uh, but I would say a ones that in Minnewasta in Morden, Granite Hills and Oak, uh, Oak Island are kind of three of my favorites amongst the ones that I played. And I will not say that I've done a thorough tour of the, uh, Ken Weeb would be the best guy because he's been, <laughs> you know, doing his Manitoba golf tour and hitting up golf pros every day that he's off for the last 10 years. So I, I will put Ken up as the true arbiter of that. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll have to get Ken on. And, uh, I know you mentioned Grand Pines. I was up there last weekend and, uh, yeah, beautiful shape. I left two wedges out there and I called yesterday and they have them, but uh, I oh. played pretty, I played pretty well without them. So maybe I'll leave them there, but uh, <laughs> uh, after on the weekend, I'll pick them up for you. Yeah. Well, I, he put my name on them. So uh, maybe he has them. Uh, well, you kind of got into this already, but uh, you know, there's so many great golf courses in Manitoba. So do you have any bucket list courses that you haven't played that you'd like to get to? Uh, you mentioned Gilbert Plains, which has been mentioned a bunch. We had uh, Ryan Horn on last episode he spent a lot of time up there any any others well let's see um well you know funny enough you mentioned one i've spent a bunch of time up at hecla but i never got a chance to play the golf course so that is absolutely one uh, that would be gilbert plains is on the list and i'm trying to think if there's any other ones that um you know they're sort of sticking out in my mind that that i haven't played um i've had a chance to get on a few of the really nice ones in the city i mean niaqua and uh, st charles uh, as well as pinehurst and and uh, pine ridge and elmhurst um but i mean i think but the, the number one on my list is gilbert plains i've had enough people tell me that i need to go out to that course um and i'll tell you what you know doing up in that area as well i've heard some really good things about the nipawak course too home of the sheriff shane knighty he's always saying you gotta go and play nipawak so uh i'll do that i'll make it a double uh we'll do one one day we'll go have a do it up one night and then have a, a late tea time the next day at the other course absolutely yeah some some great elevation changes uh up there um well, that's what I love about Minnewasta. I mean, the first time I played there and frankly, Granite as well, you know, I mean, like, you know, growing up in the city and just being a city guy, I mean, if you haven't traveled very much, I mean, you literally don't see those elevation yep. changes. I don't know what is it, the ninth hole at Morden. I got there for the first time and I'm like, this is, this is amazing. But yeah, um, yeah. what Granite, province are we in? <laughs> yeah. And, and Granite, I'll never forget the first time I played there. You get around what that third hole that's yeah. sort of made like Pebble Beach 18. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, where the heck are we? Like, this is so cool. <laughs> and the last four holes at Granite are, are four of my favorites. So, um, but you know, we're lucky as Manitoba golfers. I mean, if you're ready to put a couple clicks on the vehicle, you can uh, golf amazing courses at really nice prices, uh, as opposed to our friends in a lot of other places in the country. Absolutely. JR, I see the counter there. I don't know if you want to uh, yeah. we keep going here. Or, go. uh, yeah, keep going. All right. Uh, so obviously you've been all over North America and and maybe other places, but I was curious, what is, is the most memorable course that you've ever played? Uh, Copperhead in um, Copperhead down in Tampa. Um, okay. we got a chance to go there and that's, I guess the Valspar is there. Yeah. Uh, I was right. lucky enough to do, um, you know, this was back when, you know, companies actually spent money on their customers and actually had programs, you know, all that stuff went to shit in the last kind of five, six years. Yeah. <laughs> 
And you know, you can tell, you can tell by the tone in my voice, I'm still somewhat bitter about the direction of what happened before. But originally we went there and uh, it was a, there was a trip where they were taking a bunch of the top sponsors down and kind of knew that a, I knew I'd been on the other side of things and knew how to, you know, deal with customers. And um, so they brought me down there and I got a chance to play with a bunch of them. And we did three rounds at three courses there. The other one was TPC Las Vegas, but definitely Copperhead. You get down there and they They've got that big snake. You are now entering the most difficult three holes in golf. It's, it's really cool. And uh, I think I played great that day too. I think I broke a hundred. So oh, I was nice. feeling like a million bucks because as I said, when you go to real, really tough tracks, especially ones you haven't played, you're prepared for the worst, but yeah. uh, it wasn't that bad. And it was, I mean, just absolutely glorious. And I'll tell you what, just maybe being a Winnipeg guy in winter, being down playing golf in Florida made it that much better too. Yeah. No kidding. Nothing better. Nothing better. <laughs> better so those are two you know uh great courses pretty high on uh, on anyone's list but do you have any bucket list courses uh that you'd love to get out to well i mean listen uh, you know as a as a, a golf guy i mean it would be uh, you know I, actually canadians i'd love to get out to whistler and uh, and play a couple of the courses nice. around there i've got a friend that you know it's moved out there that's playing there that sends me some pictures and i'm i've been quite jealous and um you know, out there, um, you know, certainly into the Rockies. Like I haven't really played many other places in Canada other than Montreal. And, you know, we know how beautiful this country is. So I, I'd love to get out West and play a couple of those. And, you know, there was a couple, I can't remember the other thing. And I'm sure you guys have done this or have friends that have gone, done a nice guy's trip down to Brainerd and that Minnesota area with all those courses. Uh, we did the Maddens and the classic the last time we went out there. And those were really nice. We've also done breezy point, which is more a party as opposed to like the really nice golf courses. But, uh, I'll tell you what, we're going to plan to get back there at some point soon once the border gets open again and uh, maybe play a few of the other ones that we haven't done. I mean, for me, I'm not good enough to really care about the you know, the stamp meter or the lie or a lot of the stuff for me, it's about, you know, cracking a few and having a great time with your buds and uh, then having some fun on the 19th hole as well. Absolutely. That's Amen. what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Uh, the next one here, what is your career low round? Career low round is 81. Wow. That's really good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Where, yeah. Where 81. That? And uh, that was at uh, Grand Pines. Nice. That's pretty good. Grand there. Pines. And again, playing from the whites. I mean, I'm not quite the uh, the big boy. I mean, again, like, as I said, I, the blues weren't made or the blacks certainly weren't made for me. We get chopped <laughs> up. But every now and then I, in that round, I sunk a, um, uh, eight iron from about 140 yards for oh, an wow. eagle. And at that point uh, I'm yeah. like, okay, <laughs> I could be in the, like, I was already trending, like maybe, uh, like never mind 89, like 87, 86 hit that, hit a couple putts on the back and last couple holes. I'm like, okay, just focus on the shot. Don't even think about the scorecard right now. And, uh, I think I finished birdie par and then added it up and could not believe it. Wow. So, yeah, uh, yeah that was, uh, it was a high moment. But that was a long time ago, guys. <laughs> hey, that's okay. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty yeah. good. Doesn't matter uh, when. No. And uh, so number question number eight, uh, it's kind of become my wild card question recently. So uh, a new custom question for you, Haas. It's about beer. Nice. <laughs> and I know uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily is sponsored by LBJ, Little Brown Jug. And uh, with 17 craft breweries based in Winnipeg. What are your notable beers from uh, our local suppliers here? 
Well, I'll be honest. I have been a, um, I was never a big kind of craft beer guy as it were. Um, I was more a quantity as opposed to quality drinker, if you will. Um, and, uh, we've experienced um, so, that. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what I mean? When you're out on the course and having many of them, usually Coors lights, Bud lights are the easiest ones to go for. So I wouldn't say that I would be the best person to ask about all of the different breweries and beers around here. I will say though, through working at little Brown jug, we were fired up because I mean, I always, loved in 1919 that was to me a perfect beer to sort of maybe as a gateway into many of those others um but the uh, the summer lager that they came out right now I'll often flash it during the program you got one right there yeah, there I we know. go <laughs> cracking it right now i haven't tried it yet <laughs> it is it is outstanding that is one that i'm uh, that I, i'm a big big fan of and uh, yeah. i've become a i've become a regular for those ones and mixing in some 1919s as well as uh uh you know the uh, the odd light beer as well but uh, you know the more i enjoy what's the little brown jug folks have uh the more i do kind of try one i've had a few of the really good ones over at Brazen Hall. Um, they've done some uh, great stuff. And, uh, you know, in Fort Gary, has been doing it for a long time, although I'm not sure whether that's really craft or just another sort of a local beer. Um, but yeah. as I said, if it's cold, I'll drink it and uh, I'll probably <laughs> like it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The great stuff. We always get good stuff from uh, one great city. They always give us a few samples. I usually drink them all and don't share them with JR. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> and then uh, uh, Half Pints always has some good stuff too. To. And Barnhammer, I'm just listing off St. James Breweries here. Yeah, but, he's got uh, the he's got the local beer Wikipedia going on there. Hey <laughs> guys, it's you know what that's been one of the real cool things that's happened over the course of the last um, the last ten years or so. I mean, a couple of my friends have uh, opened up that beer can uh, and have moved over to the Granite, and you know, I've been there a few times and tried a few. Sometimes I don't even know what I'm drinking to be honest. That's why I'm like, oh, what the heck was that one? It was good. I mean, there's so many different <laughs> ones and different cans. Unless you're really paying attention. It's tough to keep track of it all, but it, I mean that the beer scene in Winnipeg has just exploded, and so many of the spots like LBJ have great tap rooms and a nice place for a patio to sit outside and do it. And um, it's yeah. been really cool to see how that sort of scene has grown. And now there's a number of outdoor venues that are getting packed all the time with people both drinking their favorites and trying new awesome local beers from great people. Absolutely. I was at uh, Finn's Grant Park last night. They got a great little patio there and uh, we were, we were enjoying some local draft beers, which was, which was great after a, a round. Uh, so it, it was, great. I was there in the afternoon. I must've just missed you. I was there for oh. the end of the soccer game. I got ripped oh, yes. over there right after the show and uh, had a Reuben and uh, very nice and a shot. Nice people there. Jay will take care of you, obviously. A great old friend of mine. Well, as I said, he was bartending when Gary and I met at the Red Cactus. That was like an hour ago. We were talking about that. Yeah, yeah. So, Hustler, our, our flagship question of the back nine lightning round. What is your favorite condiment? Oh, wow. What a great question. Great question. We've had a lot of good answers. Yeah. I will. I will couch this by quickly saying I almost want to say this as my number one condiment but it's not versatile enough to be it but the most slept on underrated condiment is relish oh, yeah. relish mm. hot dogs hamburger I mean that's sort of my go-to but again if we're talking I don't really put that on sandwiches or many of those <laughs> other things so no. 
I think I think I have to go with mustard. I mean, mustard, listen, I'm a ketchup guy. Don't get me wrong. I don't have issues with ketchup. Although anyone that has read the guidelines from the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council knows that ketchup (laughs) on hot dogs is for children. So, um, but anyways, yeah, from day one, it's always been mustard, uh, mustard relish on dogs, on burgers, along with onions. I mean, I guess, or I could go with something like grilled onions, which is like crack for people. If oh, you yeah. ever know anyone yeah. that sells hot dogs or burgers, right. if you get grilled onions going on, your sales will go up like 500%. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I, um, but I would say a combo of the two mustard is number one relish a close second and not appreciated enough in the condiment world. Certainly, we've never had anyone yeah. say relish. I like I, I I I like relish on my hot dog. Yeah, I'm a big mustard guy. You mentioned onions, and I had a little sub question here because our PGA correspondent Awok had a little Twitter poll going on what what onion is the best onion, and he had red, white, green, yellow, and uh, I was curious what uh what your favorite onion is um well it's certainly not green that has to be zero percent on the poll right um i, I think it wasn't I, very high yeah, was i think low. it's i think it's white i mean or actually i mean i don't even know the difference to be honest i mean like the difference between a white and a yellow onion i mean I, essentially I, i'm not i'm not sophisticated enough to be able to pick it up i do know the red because you can see the thing around yep. it those are good on burgers but i think oh. those are secondary to the other ones the sweeter ones, uh, the ones that you can just dice up, throw on raw, or if you want to really take it to the next level, throw some butter in, grill them up. Great for steaks, mm-hmm. burgers, hot dogs. That's the best onion. So whichever one that you make that way, that's the answer. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I picked the red because it's a little versatile. Yeah. You can throw it in some salads. You can put it on a burger. You can grill it up. But uh, yeah, it's a check out. Uh, Never even thought about the salad option. Never even crossed my <laughs> <Yeah>. mind. <laughs> I eat a salad <laughs> once a, nice a week. summer you salad. Know? You got to have a nice summer salad. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, that, that wraps up the uh, back nine lightning round. Yeah. And it is for Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. They're always happy to see you. Go check them out, winnipegdodge.com. Wow, this was great. Thank you so much for uh, sticking around with us. I know we got places to go. My kid's coming home, so I got to babysit tonight, and I know yeah. you got some people to meet. It's and- called parenting. It's not babysitting, oh, right, right. by the way, yeah. Jordan. Get Thanks. with the program. Sorry. Hey, guys, no, seriously, <laughs> love the show. This was a lot of fun. Uh, it was great to meet you and uh, chop it up with you. And uh, mm-hmm. anytime uh, we can do it again sometime, enjoy the Open next week. I can't absolutely, wait. Absolutely, oh, yeah. absolutely. I got another three sheets of research I got to ask you about here, Huss. <laughs> so we'll have to have you on uh, soon. Anytime, boys. Anytime. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. And another shout out to uh, Nick from the Nick and Nikki group of DQs for uh, hooking us up with us. And uh, usually get an 8-inch custom DQ cake. But uh, this time around, Mike and I will have that 8-inch custom (laughs) DQ cake. Well, quickly, quickly, (laughs) can we ask us what his favorite Blizzard is? Oh, right. Yeah, what is your favorite Blizzard? Uh, Mm -hmm. My my go-to Blizzard is the Drumstick Blizzard. It's unbelievable. I think it might be new. Um, Nick told me about it a few months ago. And despite the return of the kit cat blizzard i still (laughs) ride with the drumstick so um, that's where i'm at right now i've not tried this mint girl guide cookie one that i'm hearing a lot about right now but to be honest um i'm not as much a mint guy so i'm gonna probably just stick in fact what i'll probably do is get a little crazy and maybe get a little kit kat in a drumstick blizzard that that might be the ultimate guys (laughs) a little cocktail (laughs) 
the yeah, world will explode. <laughs> that's great. And I always go for the burgers too, because they got mm-hmm. great burgers over there at DQ. But uh, that's great. Thank Ultimate you, Grill Burger, the most, much like relish is the most underrated condiment. That mm. in the entire fast food game is the most underrated burger. I will put it up against any in the game right now. And here's a little DQ insider tip, folks. <laughs> if you're a person that likes the flat top grill, Nick's of the four Nick and Nicky DQs, the St. Anne's location still has the old school flat top grill. So if that is in your liking, you go try one of those burgers from St. Anne's and uh, thank me later. Yum. I'll go check that out. That sounds great. Well, now I got to go eat one. I won't, <laughs> but I'm going to have a, uh, I'm going to have a blizzard later after I give my kid a bath. But uh, thanks again, Huss. Appreciate it. And another shout out to uh, Jamie Wilkie and the folks of the new Winnipeg Dodge. WinnipegDodge.com. They're fucking different. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> right on, guys. Bye. <laughs> Hit them straight. And you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot. You're late for your tea time, as per usual. It's 12.12, but you wouldn't know. The clock in your piece-of-shit ride just blinks eights at you. It's embarrassing. You find the parking stall the farthest away from the clubhouse. It can't be seen in your shitbox. You know you're going to play awful because you feel awful. Your car doesn't match that swagger buried deep down inside. That golfing champion waiting to be unleashed. Ding. Your bumper hits the concrete as you accidentally sit on it while putting on your golf shoes. You smile because tomorrow you're going to see Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. The front doors will open like the Azalea Line Gates at Augusta. You'll ask for the best-looking guy there. You'll find the former amateur champ, Jamie Wilkie, staring back at you. You hand over your money. Your new ride glistens as it pulls out of the dealership. Then Jamie approaches and whispers in your ear, Son, next week, I'm taking you golfing at Breezy Bend. I'll show you a thing or two. You smile again, as now your golf game will look and feel as good as your new ride. Improve your ride and your drive with Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. WinnipegDodge.com JR, we have a lot of fun on this podcast, but I want to take a second to talk about something that has affected me personally. Every year, millions of Canadians suffer from brain freeze. It can happen to anyone. It's a hot summer day. You're aggressively enjoying a DQ cool treat, a blizzard, a dilly bar, or a variety of personalized ice cream cakes, and whammo, brain freeze. It hits you like a triple bogey. The good news is you can enjoy these delicious treats in a moderately sized bite. So get over to any Nick and Nicky's group of DQs and enjoy some DQ treats safely. DQ Northgate on McPhillips, DQ Pole Park in in the food court, DQ Niverville, and DQ St. Anne's Road. Go see them today for tasty treats.